KMTT. And today is Friday, Chet Sivan Erev Shabbat Kodesh Parshat Nasar. And we are here with the Erev Shabbat program for this for this Shabbat. Had a busy week, it was Shavuot. Previous week was Yom Yerushalayim, three weeks ago, almost four weeks ago, was Yom Atzmaot. Okay, we finished the summer holidays, all of which are connected to Sefirat HaOmer. And we're beginning to slide into the opposite, what when marks the end of the summer, getting closer and closer to the period of Avelut, Shiva Sabatam was three weeks, and Tisha B'Av. But in the meantime, we're in the in-between status. Chagim are behind us, Avelut is in front of us, and we simply have Kayetz, we have summer. Pashat Naso. Among other things, Pashat Naso is a very, very busy Pasha. Among other things, you have the Psukim of Birkat Kohanim. The opening pasuk, Kot v'chut b'nei Yisrael, emol lahem, has attracted a lot of attention. Thus shall you bless b'nei Yisrael, say to them, and then come the words, v'recha Hashem yishmecha. What does it say, emol lahem? Ko, thus, t'v'chut b'nei Yisrael, v'recha Hashem yishmecha. So the truth is, the Gemara learns a number of things from the expression emol lahem, among other things, that you have to have a chazan calling out to the coin in what to say. In other words, emol lahem, say to them to say v'recha, which is why the Chazan says, Yivarechacha, and they answer Yivarechacha, Hashem, Hashem, etc. And other halachot as well. But nonetheless, Mephashim still uh, looked for uh, explanations to the unusual uh, formulation of bless and say and say thus. There's an interesting comment by the Beit HaLevi. The, uh, the Gemara in Vachot mentions that when one reads the Torah, so there is also Targum. We don't do this anymore. Temanim still do, but most Jewish congregations do not. But the Gemara had a, a halacha that the Torah should be read in Hebrew and translated into the Targum, the Targum, the Aramaic translation of the Torah. And the Gemara there says, and Davchet in Vachot says, Ve'afilu atarot v'divon. Um, even the words Atavot Divon, these are place names. And therefore, as Rashi explains, there is no translation to a place name. So the halacha that says that a person should read the Pasha, you should read every week the Pasha twice, and once the Targum, even Atavot Divon. The then go into the discussion, what does that mean? Practically speaking, you can't, there is no Targum. Does it mean you read it three times? Uh, that, that, that's not the point. The point is that the Gemara recognizes that something like place names is not going to have a translation. Rabbi Yonah, in his commentary to Bechot, adds that, you know, there are other examples as well. For instance, the Psukim of Bukat Kohanim do not have a Targum. There is no translation in Targum Unclus for the Psukim of Bukat Kohanim. And so the same thing applies. You have to say them also three times in one way or another. 
But the Keiger points out on the spot, <laughs> you don't need Keiger for this, you could have done it on your own, that there is. He says, if you open up a Chumash, you'll find that the Psukim of Berkat Kohanim indeed have an Aramaic translation. So apparently, Rabbi didn't, but, but, but our Chumashim and our versions of Takamunkus, in fact, they do. So the Beit HaLevi explained how come there was no translation, at least in some versions, to these Psukim. It surely is an amazing thing. Place names, I understand. There's no way to translate Atarot Vidivon. But why wasn't there a translation for Yiverechecha Hashem V'Yishmarecha? They explained that this is also the Halacha. Kol Tevachut B'nei Yisrael Emol Lahem means, and the Gemara brings us as Halacha, that Bekat Kohanim must be said in Hebrew and not in translation. There's a Mishnah in Mesechet Sotah that lists those things which can be said in translation and those things which must be said in the original. One of those things which must be recited in the original, the Kohanim, when they do Birkat Kohanim, must recite it in the Hebrew. And one of them is Birkat Kohanim, because it says, Say these words. Don't just bless with the same content, but say the following words. So the Levi said, since Emolahem means, it's like what we call today, quote, Thus shall you bless B'nai Yisrael, Exactly quote. Emol lahem. Quote. So when the translation was written by Tagamunkus, Tagamunkus isn't a translation for translation. It's a translation which includes explanation. So when he got to the words, and he understood that it meant, as the Gemara claims it means, quote, say exactly like this, exactly the following words. So he couldn't translate the next words because it wouldn't make any sense. God said to the Kohanim in Aramaic, I'm doing it in English. God said to the Kohanim, Bless B'nai Yisrael in exactly these words. Yivarechecha Hashem v'yishmarecha. I have to bring it in Hebrew because it has to be in exactly those words. So the Targum also was written in Aramaic. Tevachut B'nai Yisrael. Bless the Jewish people. Say to them, quote, in Hebrew now, Yivarechecha Hashem v'yishmarecha. And that's why, uh, in at least in Ben Yonah's version of Targum Onkos, there was no translation for these for these words. Okay, now for our uh, regular interval of the outside, the Godel of the week, Rabbi Yemen Tavori, who happens to be at the moment in England, but has nonetheless managed to prepare the uh, this week's episode for the Arab Shabbat program, prepared in advance, left it on the computer. And therefore, we are happy to have Rav Tavori, even though he's not here. Rav Tavori on Rav Chaim Velazhena, Rav Chaim, who founded the yeshiva of Velazhen, the Talmud, the student of the Gra. This week, we observe the yard site of Rav Chaim of Velazhen, the great Talmud Chacham, who founded the Yeshiva of Elijah. An amazing coincidence occurred that I was unaware of until today. Last week, the yard site that we chose was that of the Ger Tzedek of Vilna. The legend has it that it was Valentine Pataki who was burned on the second day of Shavuos, Al-Kiddush Hashem. This week, in the yard site 
on the yard site of Reb Chaim Balashner, I looked up some details and facts of his life, and to my surprise, I found that he was born on the second day of Shavuos in 1749, which means that he was born on the day that the Gertzedek of Vilna, Alala Mokeid, was killed Al-Kiddush Hashem. The Gemara in the end of Kedushin has a concept that when the day that a tzaddik dies, another tzaddik is born to replace him. I have no knowledge and awareness of Kabbalistic ideas, but I, it's just an amazing coincidence that Reb Chaim was born on the day of the yard site, the actual day that the Graf Potoki, better known as the Gertzedek of Vilna, died. We know that Reb Chaim was a student originally of the Shagas Aryeh, that classic Sefer of Chidushim, and he was also a Talmud, and he was known to be a Talmud of the Vilna Gaon. In a certain sense, Reb Chaim is credited with having revealing the having revealed the Vilna Gaon and making him more accessible to the public. The Vilna Gaon, according to tradition, was basically a person who sat in his own base medrash, in his own home. According to legend, he closed the shutters of the house not to have any outside influences, and he had very few Talmudim. Therefore, although his scholarship was legendary, and although people in Vilna knew that he was the Vilna Gon, he had no official position, and apparently he did not even have that much access to other people. Reb Chaim Balazhner, known as his Talmud, who was a person who tried to propagate teachings of the Vilna Gaon, so in that sense, he revealed the Gra to the world. It's interesting to note the relationship of Reb Chaim to the, to the Gra, known as the Talmud, perhaps the most famous Talmud, one of the only Talmudim known to the Vilna Gaon. Reb Chaim Balashner had a, an obviously unique relationship with the Gra, and yet, the story that is told about him is that whenever he mentioned the Gra, he literally shook and trembled. The fear and awe of his Rebbe so overwhelmed him that he had trouble to maintain equanimity, even mentioning his name. The story is told how his son had a conversation with him about visiting the Gra. And Reb Chaim said he'll take him along on a trip. And the son relates that every moment as the trip progressed, his father became more and more agitated. He became shaking. He became overwhelmed with emotion. Until he really uh, entered the presence of the Gra, he could barely say a word. It reminds me, and I'm sure many other people in America remember the days when Rav Salavechik said Shir, and the Yiras HaKavah, the fear, or awe would be a better word, 
that we had sitting in that shear. There were literally students who could not open their mouth. There were cases where the, the Rav asked someone to tell him his name and the person literally could not say his name. So, although, obviously, the Gra was worshipped by Reb Chaim Balashin, and he was loved by Reb Chaim Balashin, that Giras HaKavo that he had for him somehow overwhelmed his personality. Reb Chaim, of course, is known for a number of accomplishments which, in the short time that we will allot to this, we'll try to mention the basic major achievements that he did. He's famous for explaining and teaching the concept of Torah Lushma. This, his magnum opus, Nefesh HaChayim, deals at length with the concept of what learning Torah Lushma means. He thought learning Torah Lushma meant to learn Torah, to enjoy learning Torah, to enjoy the knowledge of Torah, to develop all knowledge of all different parts of Torah. In this respect, in his concept of what to learn, learning the entire gamut of Torah, in Valashin it was known that the Seder Halimud, the way they learned in Valashin, was much different than our yeshivas today. Most yeshivas today have a certain cycle of mesechtas that they learn. And other mesechtas are not ever taught within the regular curriculum of the yeshiva. In Valajan, the custom was that they began from the beginning of Shas and learned straight till the end of Shas. And therefore, a person who would come, let's say, at the end of the first cycle of Shas and would spend two, three years in Valajan, might only learn Kachim and Taros. He might not have learned what the yeshivas, our yeshivas today, more traditionally learned, the, the Siddharim of Nashim Nazikin, might have been totally ignored by a student who was there for the two, three years if he came at a certain type of time of the cycle. This attitude of learning Torah and encompassing the entire world of Torah, devoting a person to learn Torah from A to Z, as it were, should be noticed that this apparently was opposed to a certain group of Hasidim. The story is told about certain Hasidim that they felt learning Torah, what we call the intellectual approach to Torah, was not at all developed by certain Hasidim, and they felt that learning Torah is more of an emotional experience, an emotional connection with, with HaKadosh Baruch Hu through learning Torah. They tell a story, a story is told, about the Kutzker, or perhaps some people might have the story about another great Hasidish Rebbe, who was learning Bav Metziah, and they said he learned Bav Metziah, Daf Beis Aleph. And the story goes that he learned Bav Metziah, Daf Beis Aleph, for an, a, a, an inordinate length of time. And finally, one day, the Talmudim came and thought this was already exaggerated. And they said, Rebbe, how long can you study Bav Metziah, Daf Beis? And the response allegedly was, I feel comfortable here. I like it here. The idea of encompassing the entire Masechta, of learning the other Prakim, as long as a person feels good about learning and feels his connection with learning, so so they, the, some Hasidim said that this is sufficient. There were those who said that saying Tehillim, in fact, saying Tehillim 
is the mitzvah of Talmud Torah. We do know that a person who says Tanakh, who learns Tanakh, especially uh, Tehillim, is considered as if he learns Torah. So there was some Hasidim who felt as a substitute for learning Torah, let's say Tehillim all day. And Reb Chaim Balazhna's response was well known. A person should study Shas from beginning to the end. The Vilna Gon is known to have interpreted the Gemara that begins the famous Gemara in Shabbos, Taflamad Aleph, that the Gemara asks a question. They say the questions that are asked to a person after Me'avesim, the first question is, Nasasa v'nasata be'amuna. And traditionally we interpret that to mean, did you do business faithfully? Apparently, the Vilna Gon interpreted that Gemara saying, did you learn Seder Zeroyim? Seder Zeroyim is called Seder Amuna. And so on and so forth. The Gon said, not only should a person learn Torah, but he will face HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who will ask him, did you learn this, and did you learn this, and did you learn that? The Reb Chaim Balashner, in the tradition of the Gra, felt that you must encompass the entire gamut of Torah. And he related to this famous Gemara. Hasidim used to say, the Gemara says, that David HaMelech said, Yehiratzon, I wish it would be before HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that saying Tehillim should be the equivalent of, of learning the Goyim and Arlos. He took two, two Mesechtos, two sets of Mishnayos, which are extremely complicated, and say the Taros, and he said learning Tehillim should be considered the same as if I'm involved in learning the Goyim Arlos. Chaim Balashner mentioned time after time that this was true. This might have been the request of David HaMelech, but we find no source that the Kodesh Baruch Hu answered him. Saying Tila might be important, but learning Torah from A to Z, as it were, is the real kiyum of Torah Lishma, of learning with an intellectual awareness to understand Torah, to be mechadesh in Torah. Although I mentioned the story of the, of the Kutzker, that he apparently learned Bav Metziah for so long and said, Gefelt I'm comfortable here, it should not be interpreted, which should not be meant that all Hasidim did not learn. There were certainly many great Gedolim, Gedoli Hasidim, Admorim Hasidim, and other Hasidim who were known as Tamiri Chachamim, who certainly learned Torah Lishma. In fact, the same Kotzker that the story is told about has a reference in the beginning of the Avnei Nezer, in the beginning of the of the Sefer Egletal by the Avnei Nezer, he there proposes a concept of Torah Lishma, which also is not the classic Hasidic understanding that it's to feel good about learning, but rather to be Mechadish Torah, to be happy about learning, to enjoy the intellectual pursuit of Torah. But the Avnei Nezer there mentioned that he got his Derech and learning from the Kutzker. So it would be unfair to say that the Hasidic Rebbe's were not involved in Torah Lishma. It could, perhaps could be that certain Hasidim really understood the concept differently and Reb Chaim reacted to these Hasidim in his Sefer, Nefesh Chaim. Of course, his Sefer, Nefesh Chaim is, in a, to a great extent, a rebuttal of Hasidus. He specifically re- rebutted the concept of Torah Lishma, as we explained, and he also discussed the importance of davening on time. There were certain Hasidim who were so oblivious of time, and they meant it, apparently, for very religious reasons. They felt that a person could delay to the, the time of davening, in order to prepare himself, 
in order to be, attain maximum kavana. And there are called these people, Eila Shakivas Hashem Yechpatsun. Reb Chaim treats them with a certain type of respect. It seems more respect than the, than the Grush showed to them. And he said, these are people who are actually seeking the countenance of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They want to be close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Nevertheless, he felt they were making a grave mistake. There's a beautiful mashal that was not stated by Reb Chaim Balashner, but the mashal is a, about a person who liked checks very much. He had a, a strange custom of collecting checks. Now, we all like to get checks, but we cash them. This person collected checks and ironed them and put them away nicely under glass and protected them very much. And he said, look how beautiful they are. One day he was walking into a bank and he saw a person take out a tattered old piece of paper, a check that was worth a million dollars, gave it to the teller and he gets a million dollars. So the person said, look, if this check, which is ugly, is worth a million dollars, my check, which is worth so much more, they're, because they're so beautiful, they're iron, they're under glass. Look how carefully they're, they, they look how beautiful they look. That's obviously worth more money. So he took them out and went to the teller and he brought in the teller. He said, I'm sorry, these checks are valueless. He said, why? They're so pretty. He said, because they're not on time. This check was written for 1995. This is the year 2007. You can't cash a check 12 years later. So the story is told that the the, the, the misnaged who followed the approach of Reb Chaim Balashner said, I don't care how beautiful the davening is. If it's not on time, it's not worth anything. If you daven on time, then even a tattered tefillah can be accepted. Even one that doesn't have the beauty and kavana of the original of that you really should have is accepted. But the utmost kavana cannot allow tefillah to be said not in its proper time. The system of Alajan, of course, was to learn with Shiurim, but learning Bechavusa was basically a, a drisha, an absolute order of Reb Chaim He felt that the best way of learning was for two people to learn together. And he said in his Sefer called Ruach Chaim, in his Perush and Pirkei Avos, he explained the Mishnah, Shnaim sheyoshim v'yesh b'neim devei Torah arei ha-shechin ha-shreine imayim. Shnaim sheyoshim v'in b'neim devei Torah harei zemoshav leitzim. Two people who sit and learn Torah together, the Shechina is there. But if they're not learning Torah, it becomes a group of, of scoffers, people of leitzim, people who are clowns to a certain extent. And at first glance, the gap of the Mishnah seems to be very great. Two people learn, okay, it's good. They sit there and don't learn, it's not so good. Why does it become a Moshe of Leitzim or these scoffers, clowns? And Reb Chaim explained that two people learn, Chavrusa, learn together, Yesh Benem Devei Torah, that's the way things should be done. The Shechina is there. If two people sit and don't learn, between them, they learned, according to Reb Chaim. They might have learned, but they learned individually. Why would they learn individually? Because I believe my Torah is mine, your Torah is yours, I'm not interested. What do you have to say? You're not interested. What I have to say, there's no interaction between them. They treat each other in a, in a manner which is not befitting B'nai Torah. That's the Leitzanim. I'm making Leitzanis, I make a, a mockery of you, you make a mockery of me. Learning the Chavrusa was the note of Alajan. Learning Torah Lishma 
was the note of Reb Chaim who began this yeshiva velashen. Obviously, what we said in this brief time is only a brief summary of the life and accomplishments of Reb Chaim Velazhner. The people who are interested to follow up are recommended to read the classic work of Rabbi Dr. Norman Lamb, the Rosh Yeshiva of Yeshiva University, who wrote a doctorate thesis called Torah Lishma, which is available both in Hebrew and in, and in English, which explains the biography and intellectual biography of Reb Chaim Velazhner. Yehizachor Baruch. You have been listening to Rav Tavori discussing Rav Chaim Velazhner, whose Yosef falls in the coming week. Yeah, going back to the Pasuk I mentioned in the beginning, another explanation for the double expression, bless and also say. From Rav Aaron Cohen. Rav Aaron Cohen was Rosh Yeshiva in Chevron, in Yeshivat Chevron, and about 25 years ago, 30 years ago. And of course he was a Kohen. So what he's saying now is from his own personal experience. He explained that Bekat Kohenim, the Kohenim, even though the Pasuk says, of course, that God is giving the Bracha, but the Kohenim aren't merely a technical conduit of God's Bracha. It says, you should bless the Jews. And he therefore explained that it's not a mitzvah for the Kohenim to say these words, but they have to bless. And if the blessing has to come from their heart. A Kohen has to really feel that he is trying to bless, trying to better Am Yisrael. In fact, he, he, he has to feel it in his heart that, that, he, that he, he, he wants to bless Bnei Yisrael. He suggested a very famous question that all the Mephashim ask, how come in the Bacha of Yerkat Kohanim, Shekadishanu b'mitzvotah v'tzivanu v'arechet amo Yisrael be'ahava? We were commanded to bless the Jews with love. Why, why, why with love? Why, why is this mitzvah, the commandment is with love? A lot of comments on that. But what, what Rabbi Ankar said, because that, that's what we just said. It's not that we have to bless Bnei Yisrael. have to bless them with your own overflowing love. The Kohen has to, and I, I think he meant that Halacha the Maizah, so those of you who are Kohenim should be listening and taking this to heart, literally to heart. In your hearts, you have to have a feeling of wanting to bless Ba'ava with love towards Am Yisrael to bless them. So he said that's what the Pasuk says. There are two different um, aspects, two different things. One, you have to bless B'nai Yisrael. That's primarily done on your heart. Two, say these words. The expression of the Bracha. The Bracha is something, I bless you with all my heart. And I say the blessing with my mouth. So it's at B'nai Yisrael. And now, at a specific time, when you're standing in the Shemur Esrei, and you raise your hands, so you say the Bracha, Emolahem, say the following words, Yivarecha Hashem v'yishmarecha. And if we're speaking about Birkat Kohanim, so, I want to mention something, Halacha Lamaisa. There is a, an Isu, there's a prohibition against a non Kohen saying Birkat Kohanim. Speak to Aaron, and someone else who says Bekat Kohanim, Zash Bukat Kohanim. So the Gemara says it's forbidden. There's a Tosus who says maybe it's not really a prohibition, but the general accepted opinion is that it's forbidden. So the first one will ask then, how come we do it? In other words, it's a Minag Amisol. 
that a father, for instance, blesses his children on Erev Shabbat with the same words, Yivach Hashem Yishmarecha. And sometimes it's not one person to another. And, but it's against the Gemara. The Gemara says that it's not allowed. B'nei Aaron Mubachim v'lo Yisrael. The the Stechemed, Chaim Chizkiyo Medini, says that uh, you have to be careful not to do it the way a coin would do it. Um, the Bach says that the prohibition for a non-Kohen to say Bekat Kohenim is only if he does it the same way as a Kohen, which is B'nesiat Kapayim. Bekat Kohenim, by a Kohen, is said with arms uplifted. It's called Nesiat Kapayim. That's the name of Bekat Kohenim in the language of Chazal. So, therefore, if you say the words Bekat Kohenim to someone else, you give it as a bracha, but you're not doing it B'nesiat Kapayim, raising one's hands, there is no Isur. That means, one should not raise one, one's hands over one's children as pretending to be a Kohen, but simply to say the bracha without it. Uh, the Gras seems to hold that way. Uh, the Gras said that you should use only one hand. In other words, he thought somehow it was Pashatim that when you say bracha, you put your hands on the head of, uh, of your son. I've seen that very often, that's what people do. So, but the Gras said if you have two hands, that might be the Siyat Kapayim, so you use only one hand. Put, he said, put your right hand, but not two hands, because two hands is what the Kohenim do. And if you do it one hand, so that would be a way of getting out of it. The Mishnah Brook, basically, he quotes this, this Shita Lalacha. And he says, he strengthens it. He says, if you do it differently than a Kohen does it, you don't use both hands, or you don't use the two hands lifted, then that also shows that you don't have Kavana, you don't intend to do Birkat Kohenim. And negative Kavana also blocks the mitzvah. If someone does not intend to do a mitzvah, you have intention not to do a mitzvah, you specifically intend not to do a mitzvah, then everyone agrees that you're not Yahudzai. So therefore, that also would help here, that you're not, you're not doing Bekat Kohenim, because you don't want to do Bekat Kohenim. And therefore, that would also be, uh, be heter. Because he's building on the Stechamit. You do it in a different manner than a Kohen does it. And if you do it specifically in a manner that Kohen wouldn't do it, you do it in a manner that's distinctly different, then you also apparently have negative kavana to be doing it the proper manner, and therefore you're not imitating the konim, and therefore there is no there is no isa. And there are other opinions as well. Uh, Marit thought that the isa only exists in the mikdash, as you know, bikat konim was done in the mikdash. There's also bikat konim that's done outside the mikdash, like today. But the prohibition would be only in the mikdash. His reasoning is very is very simple, although not. Not supported by the Gemara. His reasoning is that the difference between a Kohen and a non-Kohen has to do with Avodah, with the temple service. So apparently, Bekat Kohenim in the Mikdash was a job of a Kohen. But outside of the Mikdash, there's no such thing as a Kohen having a special job. So even though we Kohenim give the Bekha, but it's a prohibition for someone else to do it, it wouldn't be, he thought it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a so at all. Uh, there's no support for that, but, um, but it makes sense. It's a logical. It's a logical thing. So that also would permit people to do it. Uh, again, Allah Chalamaisa, the Mishnah says you should make sure not to use your hands, at least in the manner that the Kohenim use their hands. Um, Rabbi Baruch Halevi Epstein in the Torah Tamima, uh, on the spot here, he says that he heard a a he was told, as a matter of fact that the Gra, the Vilna Gaon, uh, went to the Chuppah. 
of uh, of Lando. He was the the Rav of uh, later on. He was the he was the Darshan in Vilna, and he was the Chupa. The, the Vilna was at the Chupa, and he gave him a bracha at the Chupa, and he put one hand on his head, and people asked him why, and he said because two hands would be Birkat Kohanim, and he doesn't do he doesn't do Birkat Kohanim. Um, on the other hand, uh, Rav Yaakov Emden, and as well as quoting his father, said that uh, on the contrary, the exact opposite. Rav Yaakov Emden said you should dafka use two hands when you give a bracha, because that's the way to give a bracha. He also has certain Kabbalistic reasons for it, and uh, he says his own father, the Chacham Tzvi used to give him a bracha on Friday night with two hands, and just, he doesn't say what the heter is, apparently there's no, apparently there's no isa. But again, Mishnah Bura Paschal is not to use your hands when giving the bracha, and that's the permissibility to do it, otherwise, you should not use bakat konim for the bracha, if you're going to use these words, you have to make sure that you are not a kohen, not a pretend kohen, because it's also for a non-kohen to be, to be a kohen. That's it for today. Um, we'll be back next week some people who have uh, if you've been trying to connect to us on the internet we've had some problems since before Shavuot server was down we've been sent back about 200 years into the stone age but hopefully it doesn't work 100% even now but we're working on it the person who's supposed to know what he's doing is working on it so in Hashem by Shabbat by next week uh, we should have full connectivity and I hope that your own connection to Torah in the VBM and in KMTT has not been has not been interfered. And till then, Shabbat Shalom Vorach, Kol Tov. You've been listening to KMTT. Kimitzion Teitzei Torah Uvar Hashem Yerushalayim.